Welcome back to the Shoggers Orba. It is wonderful to have you along with us, whether you're watching on YouTube or you are consuming via just your ears on your favourite podcast app. I am once again joined. <laughs> I was going to call you the Big Kahuna. <laughs> you can call me the Big Kahuna. I love the Big Kahuna. It's such a funny word. It is. Or a funny way to describe someone. Senior pastor at Solvay Church, Stu Croshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very good. That's good. We're matching today. We are slightly, yeah. I don't slightly. know. It's pretty, pretty similar. You've got a what's that called? I got corduroy. 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 I don't have corduroy. You just got a it's hoodie. Yeah, yeah, just a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> I describe Braden on a chip lunch podcast. I describe Braden's um, corduroy as very corrugated. Is that is that how you feel? <laughs> I can think about that and absorb that comment. Once again, another great start to the podcast by Joel McMaster. <laughs> Something <laughs> really boring. Um, what are we talking today? Youth ministry, very yeah, something very yeah, close yeah. to heart. But yeah. also, you've been doing a PhD. Yes, because you you know got plenty of free time <laughs> yes. as a senior minister. What uh, what is the PhD on? And uh, you wanted to talk about something that you've that's really stood out to you in the last. Yeah, few yeah. We've been I've been studying the PhD for a couple of years now, and um, like anything that you've been thinking about for a while your thoughts sort of come together and uh yeah just this week i've been having some pretty uh fun thoughts around our youth ministry at Soul revival and how it fits into the youth ministry world and i thought it might be fun for our listeners and viewers to uh think about where do they have their passions in youth ministry and kids ministry if they are in a local church whether they're a leader or a youth leader a youth minister or a person who goes to church uh, it'd be really interesting, I think, for us to all have a bit of a conversation about the relative merits of different ways of doing youth ministry. But the thing that stuck out, which is the main idea for today, is that the way you organise your youth ministry and your kids' ministry actually does help to shape the whole church. So what you right. do about the decision you make about how we're going to bring up our young people to be the church uh, even though they're the church of today, we are also trying to bring them up now to uh, to be ready for when they take over the church. You know, your thoughts about that uh, really do shape how you do church now and what they perceive church to be and also what sort of an experience they have of church. So I thought it'd be great to talk about, yeah. Was there something in particular in your research or your work that you're doing mm. for the PhD that actually made you go, oh, hang on, like this is... Uh what really kind of uh, what was the trigger for that? For the yeah, way you're yeah. thinking right now? Well, my favourite youth minister is a, a man called Mark Center the Third, and he was very influential in my development as a youth minister thirty years ago, and he continues to influence and shape a lot of how I think about youth ministry today. And there was a bit of a semiotic book that he wrote uh, back in the early two thousands, late nineties, I think. So it's a while ago, but the book's called The Four Views of Youth Ministry, and I think it's. Uh, a cracker. I think it's a, a classic book and it's really simple and helpful for people who are trying to think about what's my passion for passing on the gospel to the next generation. So it's called The Four Views of Youth Ministry in the Church. I'm just looking at the description. It says, in a dialogue that often gets downright feisty. It does, that, yeah. Yeah, well, the book is, like, you might want to read out the, the authors that all contribute to the book because so there's got, four different approaches written by four different authors. Right, so you, as you said, Mark Center the third. I yep. wish I had a name that... I was named that many times, mm. so I could be a third. Mm. That's, that's cool. It's impressive. Uh, Wesley Black, Chap Clark, Mal Nell, and oh, and then it says Mark Center again. Yeah, so Mal yes. Nell. Yeah. yeah so Nell. those those uh, four guys have four different views of youth ministry, and mm. uh, so they've put this book together, which basically is each one of them present their thoughts on youth ministry, and then the other three have a rejoiner, which means that they 
come back at that position from their position to explain what they think is oh, a so weakness a or strength kind of thing. like a rebuttal right. so it's really interesting so it's like watching a Q&A on TV or something where these four guys go through the book you can still get it on Amazon the book's still available and mm-hmm. it's in uh, digital format as well as physical yes. so I thoroughly recommend it if you don't read any other books on youth ministry I'd say this is the one to read right personally I think it's a really good book and when you re- first read it like how did it what shifted in your mind when you first read it? Well, it was interesting because as I looked at the different, and we'll get into the four views as a bit of an overview this week, but I, I thought it might be fun to look at the other, the, the different chapters over the next few weeks actually mm. and go through each of the four views. Okay. But today I thought it would be really good just to s- talk a bit about a, um, say a few things about the overview of the book and a little bit about what we think we've uh, been as a youth ministry as we've read the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give people a bit of context and we'd love to hear from people what you think about um, this too and let us know what you're doing in youth ministry too because we can add that into the podcast too which would be really good Uh, but basically it'd be really interesting actually Joel if some of the listeners or viewers actually um, after today's podcast go actually I I represent one of those four views we'd love to have you on the podcast like if you'd like to come along and tell us what you think about your view of youth ministry that would be awesome. So if you contact Joel through... Yeah, send me an email, joel at shockersorba.com.au. Yeah, so... Yeah, so yeah, that do one. That. <laughs> do that. Send, him, send me an email and we'll get it up. Because it might be fun. I mean, it's a bit spontaneous and nobody might, you know, jump up. But if, if you do and you'd like to be a part of it, please let us know because uh, that would be really exciting actually. But well, We could almost recreate the book. Oh, we could. Have rebuttals we could ring Mark up, see what he's doing, oh, see if he wants to have a few words. Have you got his number, have you? I don't know. He's surely got a <laughs> you number. Have an email or something? We can I don't know. Maybe right. I'd, I'll, I'll look for one now. That's a good idea. <laughs> but um, basically, <laughs> basically in the book, uh, there's the four chapters cover four different views of youth ministry mm-hmm. and they're broken up into two camps where youth ministries seem to be either focusing on youth today and ministry to youth today or ministry to tomorrow. So the idea is ch- the youth of the church of today yep. or youth of the church of tomorrow. They're the two kind of paradigms he has. So imagine he draws a two lines. Uh, they call it like a matrix or whatever. I think they? it's a matrix. It might be. And he draws those two lines and he puts these four models in and the bottom two are like youth are the church of tomorrow and the top ones are youth are the church of today. So the the interesting thing about it is on the on that so that's the we'll, we'll probably bring up a picture on the internet if we can find one. But basically the top two are church of the present, the bottom two are church of the future, and then either side it's a division between fellowship and mission. So let me go through the four approaches. Okay. And if viewers or listeners want to look up that a bit more later and understand that a bit better, that was just meant to give you a bit of a guide. So uh, don't worry too much if you didn't quite catch that. But basically the four views we're going to look at today are one that's called inclusive congregational, one that's called missional, one that's called preparatory approach, and the other one is called the strategic approach. So I thought maybe what we could do is start with our story, how we interacted with that. So basically Mark Center presents the strategic approach. Uh, Wesley Black looks at the preparatory approach. Yep. And then Chap Clark looks at what's called a missional approach and Milan Nell looks at what's called an inclusive congregational approach. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the inclusive congregational approach to youth ministry, 
that approach says that it's a good idea to have all the young people in the life of the church as much as you can. So the young people participate in the church as the church of today. Okay. So it's really focused on the, the young people fellowshipping with the adults as church. So there's a pushback against that idea that young people should be put into kids' church or Sunday school or youth groups separate to the adults. The idea is uh, an intergenerational approach. Mm-hmm. That's called, according to Milan Nell, in, inclusive congregational. Uh, the Wesley Black model is a preparatory approach which says we see the kids of the future – the, the church of the future so let's prepare them to become the church of the future by showing them uh, and teaching them the bible and and then um, that they'll grow up to take over the church in the current kind of form it's in and as they get older yeah as they get older yeah and then chap clark he looks at yeah so sorry the first one wesley black is preparing the kids to be the church of the of the future mm. um, but kind of taking on the model of the parent church yep uh, the parents at the church, rather. The missional approach by Chap Clark is, well, the kids that are Christians have got their Christian parents and they've got their church, so let's focus on non-Christians and let's go out into the world and do ministry in the world to non-Christian teenagers, go to the skate park, go to McDonald's, hang out. Uh, and Mark Center has what I think is probably a fairly radical approach, which says, what would it look like if the youth ministry becomes a church plant? Oh, wow, okay. Now, originally when I read the book, I railed against that that fourth one because I didn't like the idea of church planting and churches planting out the next generation because what Mark Center talks about is that a lot of people young people leave the church because they're basically not listened to until they turn 30. And so he says they actually become kind of bystanders and observers of church until they become adults and they don't have a lot of things to do within the church according to him and as a result a lot of young people leave the church because they didn't actually have a lot of ownership of the church and so he even goes as far as to say that young people in churches could even be seen as foster kids rather than the children of the church because they're sort of not really engaged with the adults too much uh, which is pretty spicy criticism but his thought is the church isn't going to want to change to have an authentic culture that reflects christ and culture today for the teenagers they're going to be holding on to traditional patterns of being a christian that have more uh, resonance with past culture than present culture and future culture so he's saying churches aren't going to change so because churches aren't going to change young people should be sent out to become the church plant of the future and their youth pastor should become the next senior minister of the church plant that leaves and so initially i was very against that because i thought where we were at guy wranglican church uh, we could actually have a ministry as a youth ministry within Guy and Ranglican Church that would, would be really, really good uh, to pursue in an ongoing way. And, you know, by the time I read this book, I'd already been at Guy and Ranglican Church for 30 years, youth minister for 10 years, and I was a youth minister for another 10 years after that. So the strategic approach wasn't really on my radar, but I did appreciate that, you know, we do need church plants in the world, but I wasn't personally feeling any conviction to plant a church when I was a youth minister. So then I looked at the other three and I thought, well, if you look at uh, the preparatory approach, there's always a need for us to have some kind of specific ministry to young people where they're at and what age group they're at. So maybe there's a bit of that in my ministry. 
but yet that looked like the generations were too separated from each other. So it looked a little bit like the homogeneous unit principle mm. that we talked about. So for me, I was a bit like, oh, I don't really like the idea of exclusive ministries to age groups in different places. So while there was a bit of resonance with the preparatory approach, I didn't really feel like I fitted neatly into that. The inclusive congregational approach was really interesting because I thought we are an intergenerational expression and you know maybe that's where we fitted but yet there was also a resonance that i had with chap clark's missional approach because we did chip lunch and a lot of stuff outside the church so rather than finding myself fitting into one of the four views of youth ministry i used to think pretty much right up until last week i know <laughs> wow is, yeah i know it's a bit hot off the press this is hot <laughs> off the press this is a big change i thought right up until last week for the last 20 years i've been thinking soul revival is somehow in the middle now most of our listeners are probably going to know and viewers are going to know that Soul Revival at some point has planted a church. But uh, that was after we were asked to leave Guy Anglican Church, not because we intended to plant a church. So uh, we, did, we did approach the bishop after we left Guy Anglican Church who invited us to plant a church. So up until last week, I've been thinking, oh, okay, so we're not really a strategic approach, but we have planted a church. So I wonder if there's some resonance there at all. But for the last 20 years, I've thought, I think we sit in the middle of those four different approaches. Yeah. But something changed last week. So, yeah, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on those approaches before we talk about it. <coughs> well, it's just the strategic approach sounded a little bit homogeneous unit principle as well. Mm. Like you were saying that yep. we just have to keep creating new expressions of church for mm. how the, the culture mm. changes. So then when I first heard that, and I can understand why you railed against mm. it, because it also is probably not, well, when you're on first reading, it's not uh, aligned with an intergenerational approach too, which is what we try to express here at Sorrel too. Yeah. So that was the the one thing that I thought of. The, yeah. the preparatory approach, I also thought about uh, something that Tim and I talked about, about children's ministry strategy a couple of weeks ago. And he was saying that uh, because he studied intergenerational approaches so much, he was saying that some churches do have everyone in the service oh sorry it's actually an inclusive congregation i sort of think thinking of is that if they do have everyone in the service at all times that perhaps isn't actually being intergenerational even though it looks that way because it's interesting they're not yeah. they're not serving because part of an intergenerational approach is also serving and loving those younger than mm. us and also those older than us mm. so perhaps you're not approaching it in a way that um, really loves younger children as much by just bringing into a service in a developmentally an age-appropriate way that sometimes we actually come down into their space, which is why at Sorrowville we have something called Kids Jewel, yep, whereas we, right. we um, spend time with the kids as friends in their own their own environment yeah, as well. Yeah, um, yeah, because we go both ways, don't we? We don't just have the kids yeah. come into church and then have a kids talk and sing some songs with us and then they go to their program, mm. or even more intergenerational, which is the kids are part of the whole church experience all the time. Yeah. We don't only have the kids come into our space, we also do go into their space too and have the safe adults interact with them and learn from them what they think being church is mm. as well. And that's why we call ourselves a shock absorber because mm. a shock absorber needs to be flexible and strong. And so the young people give us our flexibility and the adults give our model the wisdom and the strength of biblical knowledge and brought together a car with a good strong flexible shock absorber can go over the cultural bumps in the road yep. so yeah we've got a we've added that input from the kids into the mix rather than just uh inputting to them but again people in intergenerational space might be really excited about engaging with that sort of idea and, and in in the next few weeks it'd be really good to look at 
how the different views interact with each other. That's what I find great about this. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But however, yeah, so go there, on. There's, there's breaking news. <laughs> there's breaking news. <laughs> you've, you've changed your, um, uh, your position. I have, yeah. yeah. Well, and tell, tell us. Okay. Just, just tell us. So, so a sad thing happened last year. I lost most of my writing because I had a computer glitch. Oh, you, and oh, you mean I had, you yeah. dropped off the stand? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It dropped off a stand and a Coke spilled into the keyboard <laughs> and into the into the computer. Yeah. And and many people are like, don't you just back up on a cloud? Yes, I was backed up on a cloud, but I don't know if I backed up properly in the oh, latest. No, so, I so I had done a bit of work before it. I don't know what happened anyway. I am currently retrieving stuff, so I am trying to get stuff, but it's caused me to go back and rewrite my my literature review so as i was rewriting the literature review i was looking again at four views of youth ministry a bit more closely because i've also last year so while there was a bad thing happened last year a good thing happened last year is we did our interviews with people because i'm doing an ethnographic study which is interviewing people Mm -hmm. and doing some sociology research as well as theological and so we with with the re-looking at my literature review thinking about it again in light of the some of the interviews I've had, uh, I've had another think about the strategic approach. And as I was reading the chapter again on strategic approach from Four Views of Youth Ministry, a word stuck out to me that I hadn't noticed before, which is Mark Center says, the way to see strategic youth ministry is it's a way for a youth group to end up creating either a church service in the church or a church plant. Now, I must have skimmed over that because okay. I've gone straight to the church planning thing. And I'm like, oh, so, okay, that's interesting. Second thing that was interesting was it also says that the strategic approach is about a youth ministry that is going to either plant a service or plant a church. So it was either. The the, the next thing was, too, that the, ch- the, the youth ministry – in the strategic approach is necessarily intergenerational because the youth pastor and the leaders work with the members of the group to build up the ministry skills of the members so that they plant a service or a church and the youth become youth and the youth leaders become the new leaders of the new reality and in their model they also say the youth pastor becomes the new senior pastor which wasn't by design for us because we were never intending on becoming a church plant in Soul Revival. That's why we stayed at Gaimi for 20 years. But when we were asked to leave and then when we were asked to plant a new church, and by the way, we got asked to to move on from Gaimer Anglican Church basically because Gaimer Anglican Church was talking more about firming up the homogeneous unit principle and having church plants and different ministries that were more homogeneous. Mm. And our direction was more intergenerational, so that's, that's why we... Um, we moved on but the and by the way you know we get on really well with Guy Anglican and its leadership and and people uh today you know every every change can be difficult in the beginning but we've um really grown together actually and actually we went to a conference this week where the senior minister of Guy Anglican and I the new senior minister Dave and I both support a team called Sheffield Wednesday that had a very dramatic <laughs> promotional win on it uh, during the week and we both stayed up and watched it together so yeah we get on really well so that's good to know to let everybody know there's not a uh, ongoing problem there but uh, I think it was a healthy thing in hindsight to see the focus that we had be able to express 
uh, and the focus that Glimey has to be able to express and for both churches to grow strong. I think that's good. But coming back to what I was saying, that the youth minister becomes a new senior minister actually happened to us when we were asked to plan a church. I was a youth minister who became a senior minister. And the youth leaders from Glimey Anglican, some stayed at Glimey, some left, some came with us. And as a result, uh, we've got a lot of the youth leaders that actually helped us plant. So Soul Revival Youth Ministry has kind of planted Soul Revival Church at the invitation of our bishop. I really want to make that clear too. It wasn't uh, us uh, pushing for that. We were invited to do it. But having said that, we still ended up with a model that Centre says is uh, the strategic approach. So when I thought those things through, I thought, well, actually, we are in the strategic approach model because we're intergenerational ministry of a youth ministry that's planted a, a, an adult church. So I just thought, wow, okay. I think we're more in the strategic one, even though we never intended to be strategic. Uh, when I look back, we had always gone along to the homogeneous unit expressions of Sunday night youth church for Guy Anglican, but we also had a... Uh, our ministers allowed us to have a service on a Saturday night, not a service, but a gathering on Saturday night that was not considered a church service at Glimmer Anglican, but was an intergenerational reality that was all the leaders and the youth working together to try and build a community together, which was sort of the prototype of the church that we have today. Mm, yeah, I know that we've learned a lot of lessons from youth yeah. ministry. Uh, we talked a, a while ago about blowing up some rockets. <laughs> yeah, plenty yeah. of that in youth ministry. Yeah, well, the blowing up rockets comment, if you're new to the podcast, it's just iterative design. Yeah. So as long as you don't hurt anyone, you can do experiments that fail because you'll learn more from the failures sometimes mm-hmm. than anything else. So, for example, an early experiment at Soul Revival Youth was as some of us started having kids and we didn't have time Oh, we, we're sorry, the kids couldn't stay up late anymore on a Saturday night. We started a thing called Arvo where the families hung out at Arvo and then they stayed for dinner and, and a commitments um, meeting which was like a time where we open the Bible, have a read, have a bit of a sing and a pray sometimes too and then uh, most of the young adults hung out into the night but the families would go home. But that Arvo was a really important experiment that did prepare us mm. for church, for example. No, it's a good idea. I mean, it, it also has influenced, obviously, our Friday night gathering, especially where we have yeah. a fuse beforehand, yeah, have yeah, the ga- yeah. uh, dinner it and, did a, actually, yeah. and the gathering as well. Yeah, so yeah. that makes a lot of sense. If you think you're more aligned with the strategic I'm approach... I'm starting now, to, yeah. Which is interesting. How does that change how you think about your ministry now? Mm. Well, the interesting thing now is I can't I can't say enough. Like we we never intended to church plant, and we never intended to uh, do that because we thought that over time the youth ministry within Guymer Anglican Church would have an ongoing conversation with the rest of the church, and over time we would be changed by the rest of the church and the rest of the church would be a little bit changed by us too. So I thought that was the mechanism that might counter Centre's argument. And I think that did take place in certain ways. And if you look at Guy Anglican Church today, it's very exciting that there's a, a dinner on Sunday night with a with a more intergenerational gathering on Sunday night now. So, so that's really exciting to see. So I think that conversation was ongoing. But yeah, the thing I really got stuck with with Centre was it, he said that the older generation won't change and and you'll need to move on. So unfortunately for us, it was because the the minister I was working with was really keen to do the homogeneous unit principle, which was a, in my mind, 30-year-old model that, that I was like looking at um, doing some things differently with intergenerational ministry. 
Uh, I never had anything personally against my minister for wanting to do that. But I think uh, I think it was right for the senior minister to make the decision on the strategic direction of the church so that when he was saying this is what I want to do, I think it was right and proper and the godly thing to do to allow him to move the church in, in the into the future with that model rather than disagreeing and fighting and arguing. So to resign and, and go to the bishop and say, you know, what do you think we should do next? And the bishop say, play in a church. I think what we did as an unexpected outcome was fall into that strategic model, actually. So I'm sort of trying to work that out at the moment by writing a chapter on it. But, um, yeah, I do think when you look at that, that then gives a lot of explanation to what we do as a church now too, I think, because we include young people in the leadership of the church we don't necessarily have kids come into the church for a kid's spot with a kid's teaching time, but we do do that kid's chill that you talked about. We're trying to raise up young people for our council. We're trying to raise up teenagers to be on our leadership team as well as young adults. Uh, we're really interested in having kids participate, even children participate in the ministry teams at church. Uh, we're also giving a sense where we're raising up the next generation of leaders. Now, the really interesting thing for me last week was um, what we did in an unexpected way, what if we embraced that and tried to actually embrace that approach for the next generation? Excuse me. In two ways. So the first way I'm thinking is we are a church planning church. Maybe we could send groups of teenagers with their youth ministers to plant new churches. Hmm. Secondly... Maybe it might be that if, the, if our denomination is flexible enough to allow this, that maybe the future senior minister that replaces me when I retire might actually be someone who's been a youth minister to the younger people. And Centre argues that that sort of thinking gives young people a great deal of buy into the church and a lot more sense that it's a good place to stay. Uh, long term and while we've sent many people out we sent 23 people out in ministry to other churches in the last 20 years but we've also seen many young people stay at Solis and rise up through the leadership team as well and you know yourself for example you started off as a teenager youth leader now you're on staff as a communications pastor Um, could it be that someone in your generation in 10 years 15 years time is actually who takes over Soul Revival and that might be an interesting model to talk about because in our denomination, it tends to be that ministers are replaced by people from the outside of the church. Well, actually, that's the way of it usually. However, the church did invite us and then ordain me to lead a plant with people that I was a youth minister to. So maybe we've already shown that that's possibly a model that could work. I'd be really interested from other people to think about that too in other contexts to retain more youth and to see the next generation move forward to actually lead the church one day. Mm. So that's what I'm really interested in. Wow. And do you think your foundations have been shook or are you just really excited? Yeah, a bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, in terms of, like I said, I used to think we sort of sat in the middle. But, um, yeah, I'm actually a little, I'm mostly excited thinking that's really much easier to explain than how you can be a little bit of each four of those different views to actually be in that model goes okay well let's look at what the research says about it so currently this week i've been pouring over lots of stuff about what people have been saying pro and cons are of the strategic approach are because that was 20 years ago Mm. what are what are people saying today about it It might be fun to come back to that in the next couple of weeks and look at some of those things but yeah i'm really interested to see what people who are particularly in churches in denominations that um 
this is a bit of a radical step for a denomination to raise up youth ministers to plant new churches. I think that's really interesting. Mm. Do you think that we will do that? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. No, it's kind of just fascinating. I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah. Because I think I haven't, we haven't talked about it. We haven't. Much, so no, that's I know. Why it's really interesting. Yeah, that's why I'm excited about it, yeah. I think. <laughs> it's new. Well, we talked about new ideas last week. Yeah. This is a new idea. It is a new idea. <laughs> but it's great because it's not a new idea because Mark Sander already had it. Right, and yeah. obviously a lot of other people have. Mm. I mean, he's talked about in his chapter different models that, have or, that he'd looked at in the past, like Willow Creek was a famous model of a youth group that became a church. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to look into it in the next few weeks and keep you up to date. Okay. And so you made that comment right at the start, I think, about how does the youth ministry shape your church? What would you think that if you, we started like talking about this with other churches, what would you think their re- reaction would be? Do they think that, no, that's not the case? Or is it, like it would, again, we're talking about getting people on board with ideas and even mm. like just discussing them. Is mm. it going to be met with derision or is it going to be met with a d- desire to actually embrace new ideas? Well, that's a really good point because denominations like ours, the Anglican Church in Sydney, for example, or even church planning networks are big, big shows. Like it takes a, it takes a while to move a big show around in their thinking. And obviously the way we raise up ministers in the Anglican Church in Sydney has served us well for many years. So it's not that I want to stop that generally or, or move to a different model, but I am interested in trying to experiment with different models within the Anglican Church to see if we can find new principles that work well that people can think about as well and then people can cherry pick our ideas the good bits that they like and the bad bits that they don't like they can leave aside so for me rather than trying to pitch an idea as a model to pitch to other people to pick up it's more like hey we're just having an experiment and we're happy to make that open source so this podcast is open source to our very much up-to-date thinking like this is brand new i haven't even told the staff team no this is fun (laughs) as of as of today about this stuff yet and i don't even know maybe next week they all might go actually you're wrong because of this this and this and if which case well that's what i love about podcasts it's you know it's an ongoing thing that can change but today i'm thinking wow this is really cool because maybe if we could you know, we're struggling in the Sydney Anglican Church to retain young people. Now, I'm going to need to fix these statistics up with Tim next week. So <laughs> tune in again next week when Tim's with us. But I think it's something like we're only retaining about 40% of the young people that go to grow up in our churches in Sydney at the moment. We have seen the number of young people in our youth groups across the city decline and the number of larger youth groups decline as well. There's a lot of talk about how to excite parents for youth ministry uh, when their kids have got so many other things, extracurricular activities to attend to and do. There's also been a lot of talk about how to engage with parents who may have been brought up under a different model of youth ministry to what the youth minister might have. So those problems and many others, oh, the, the other big one is we're also struggling to see the same number of young people being converted as we used to see uh so mission and evangelism seems to be down in our churches in sydney which be interesting to hear from other denominations church planning networks but we're basically seeing the number of newcomers to our church declining year on year in the ncls data and so that concerns me too uh, because according to the research i think it's again tim will correct me next week if i'm wrong but i think something like 75 percent of people become christians in their teenage years so if our youth groups are declining and there's less non-christians in our youth groups that doesn't bode well for our adult congregations now that's not to say people don't become christians in their adult years but far higher proportion 
have been recorded as becoming Christians in their youth ministry years. So coming back to some of the interplay of ideas, mm. there is a lot of discussion around what model is best between parents and youth leaders and even young people are picking churches based on different preferences for youth ministries. I think the good thing about today's conversation for me is two things. One is to let people know there's four different views of youth ministry and there may be more that's just basically what this book says and there might be other books uh that that might expand on that i think um there are other writers that have you know engaged in this kind of thinking too but basically to say to parents or to other youth leaders or to youth hey where where do you broadly fit in these four different things then we can have a conversation about those different strategies and it's not necessarily a personal attack on someone to say i don't agree with you if you've got different views <coughs> so if there's different views something like this approach says it's okay to say that there are models of youth ministry and it's not about hubris it's not about ego it's just about hey in general different approaches to youth ministry fall in these four different areas yeah. the next thing for me that's really exciting is i think we're going to be able to explain soul revival a lot better to people now that i can narrow it down instead of trying to say we're a bit of four different approaches <laughs> which historically has been quite difficult to explain now i can simply say if i'm right hey we we think we're in this strategic approach now we can explain this strategic approach approach but we can say to other people you may be in a different approach so engage with us like this book does yeah and if someone's really keen to talk about it i can give them a copy of the book and they can have a read and mm. and then when they see a problem in soul revival it's not a soul revival problem it's a problem with the strategic approach to youth ministry so while i do think there's things that we've done that are different and unique and new i still think broadly we fit into that model yeah wow yeah. There's, a, there's a lot to think about, though, isn't there? Well, that's, that's, again, that's why we're doing the podcast. I just wanted to bring mm. up one thing that you s- talked about um, that Centre says in the strategic approach where yeah. uh, a youth minister will go out and plant a new gathering, possibly, mm. or whether it's in the service w- within the current church as a new service or yeah. at a like, completely different location. Yeah. How does that feel with intergenerational approach? I think that's a bit that I'm struggling mm. with because with that, in my mind, when you said that, it sounded like, well, perhaps a lot of the young people may move to that mm. gathering or that service. I'm still thinking this through. And I'm going to in- interview a few people from Guy Miringlichen as well to get their thoughts on this. So I'll be able to be a bit sharper later. Yep. But I'm sort of thinking that while there was some flexibility from Guy Miringlichen that allowed us to be experimenting with our approach for 20 years, I've got to say that's that's actually pretty cool, that we were able to have an intergenerational approach in the youth ministry sit side by side with a homogeneous unit principle model for 20 years is mm. nothing to be scoffed at that's really cool and my phd is going to tell that story but at the end of the day it, i think the amount of flexibility kind of came to an end at some point and we hit a bit of a glass ceiling which is we've experimented up to a point we've had teenagers young adults young families uh middle-aged people and and um and elders hanging out together on a Saturday night and together as a team they were bringing up the young people to grow up into that um, into that community that was a part of the Geimer Anglican community that also had expression on Sunday night with the youth and Sunday morning with the families and Sunday morning with the traditional service. But at the end of the day, in order to move forward, I think the conversation may have actually reached its uh, necessary conclusion within those two models operating at the same time 
having said that, I, th- I think I would have liked to have continued that experiment. That would have been what I would have preferred to do. But you had a big commitment to Gaimi Anglican. Yeah, well, when I was 21, I, I prayed and promised to God that I'd stay at Gaimi yeah. for the rest of my life. Mm. So that's what I was planning on all the way through. But um, I suppose the, the, the logic of having young people having uh, an ability to help influence the shape of the church culturally, not theologically, the idea of the strategic model is that there's a theological ongoing continuity but in terms of the cultural uh, expression of that theology, there's a chance for young people to influence what it looks like to have an expression of church that makes sense for their generation. I kind of hoped that Guy Wranglican would always keep bringing up young people to keep hearing their voice because, to be honest, back in the 70s when I first started at Guy Wranglican, they just had the baby boomers change the model of church from what the generation before had had for probably 400 years so i suppose in my mind i was thinking this new model the baby boomers have set up the homogeneous unit principle that's not set in concrete that's good for their generation and maybe we'll have a new expression for our generation that's why we experimented with intergenerational because we thought that was we were looking for community as gen x's more than just an event that was really professional which i think our parents were trying to achieve broadly speaking but then i think what happen with our church is we've ended up planting a church out of a youth ministry so what have we learned from that even if we didn't intend to do that what have we learned from it and what are some things that churches can do now to give their young people more voice and also start new expressions within the church maybe holding on to some of the existing expressions that people want as well so that they can be side by side because that did work at Geimer Anglican or if they want to plan a new church with a new expression, that's also worked. So I think there's actually Soul Revival's shown that you can do one or the other. You can have young people stay in the church and do a bit of a different model and have a voice, and that does work. We did it for 20 years. And now we've done this church plant for 10 years. I think what we're aiming for for the next 10 years, because this has worked uh, in helping to grow disciples to be more like Christ using the Bible and helping them to be on mission together. What we're interested in the next 10 years is what's the, what does it look like to, well, this is what I'm excited about. I'm going to be exploring now in the next few weeks and months, what does it look like for a church that wants to keep changing and not change up into a point? What does that look like? What would it look like for me to pass on the reins? So for me, a senior minister to pass on the reins to a youth minister and then say, uh, either I'll step aside, give you heaps of room to do your own thing, or I'll work with you, but underneath you as you lead. And actually, my generation will actually allow your generation to come up and work with us and actually even set the culture for the next generation. What that could do is instead of entrenching a culture, like the pre- if I understand the preparatory approach, it's maintaining the same culture generation after generation. Which is what you thought the baby boomers Which I think the baby boomers were doing with the homogeneous unit principle. What I think might be happening with us is we're actually institutionalising relationships and saying, let's raise up the young people to work with us now as the church of today, but then knowing that they'll actually take over the church and that we'll partner with them as we get older so they can bring up the next generation. And maybe the next minister might be one of our youth ministers or one of the leaders of the generation that you're in now. Could be the way we go. Mm. But again, there's a whole heap of stuff that we'd need to talk about. We'd need to talk to the diocese about that. We'd need to have interactions with 
a lot of our elders to make sure we're not making any big mistakes because mentorship and eldership is really important when you're experimenting to make sure that you get really critical eyes overseeing and that's that's why i'm doing a phd so that we can we can make sure that we're really having peer-reviewed ideas out out there in sorrow revival not just crazy stuff we've thought of yeah right i mean it's very very interesting to think it's interesting when you said that um let's say perhaps one of our youth pastors takes over but then like what in what capacity could you help them that you're almost implementing a shock over in that leadership realm as well you I think that so you're still yeah. like if you step back from you know day-to-day responsibilities yeah. or whatever but well, if i wasn't in the way i could be in the berea which is our training space and mm. maybe be mentoring and things like that or yeah. or also we are church planning so maybe i could help one of the church plants or yeah you know there's a lot of different things i could do but also they're like doing the a lot of the grunt work but you're very much in a like advisory yeah, uh, yeah. eldership role yeah where you're that's saying, right this is this is what i've learned over the many and years. maybe that's where generations can actually feel like this isn't saying oh, we're being replaced by the young people we no longer needed. We're actually needed even more because the young people are going to need our wisdom and mentorship right across the board. Well, that's a very good argument against the point that I just said was that what happens if just a youth pastor goes out and plants their Mm. own? Mm. So I think those two points you've made is actually a really good counter-argument to what I I said. Well, again, this is thinking brand new, so we're just starting to think about this. haven't even talked to anyone about it, but (laughs) the cool thing about the hub and spoke model is if we have a hub and spoke model and we send out a group with a youth minister and leave some of the youth and some of the youth ministers here at Kirawee but send some out, then we can oversee them and help them and resource them to get on their own two feet rather than just sending them out and saying, see you later, have a good life. Yeah. So the shock absorbers really is is a modification of the strategic approach because there's an interplay between the adults and the young people that hasn't been explicitly articulated as I can see it up to now. So yes, it's intergenerational with the youth minister and the youth, but I think what our model brings is an interaction with the elders as sages who are going to be there to help the young people making wise decisions. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I've got one more question about that. So yes. the, And again, we're just throwing out ideas. So if the youth minister goes out and, and plants another gathering or a service, what happens to and I'm thinking just in terms of our church, uh, are they still responsible for, uh, for example, here Friday night youth gathering and all those kind of things as well, or are they more focused on planning yeah. planning the gathering outside? Yeah, it's a really good point because I'm thinking maybe as the youth minister and the youth leaders grow 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 a bit, then either some of the team can go and plant. Or yep. maybe the older members of the team can go and plant. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, right. But there's two possible ideas there. Mm. This is could be fun. good. This has been fun. Yeah, well, look, <laughs> at, in the diocese, we've been saying for years we want to retain youth ministers for a long time. Okay. So it has been difficult. There are there are a few ministers. I was around for 20 years. There's one minister, Cameron Hislop, who's still doing yep. youth ministry after 30 years. At Janelle Anglican. At Janelle Anglican. He's an absolute hero. There are others. Tim Hawkins stayed for a long time in his position and there's a number of us that stayed for 10, 20 years. There's a lot of younger guys coming through who've been in for 10 plus years too. But what I really like about this strategic approach for churches that that think that it would work for them is it could be that these long-term youth ministers are incredibly trained and they've got a generation of leaders who trust them and know them. It might make heaps of sense to at least consider them for ordination to become a presbyter. If they're green lit as a presbyter, in our denomination, green lit means they're recognised as someone who could take over a church. A presbyter in our context is a senior pastor. Um, 
if someone was green lit to be a senior pastor, they don't actually have to function as a senior pastor in our model. But they could be someone who we say that person is quality enough to be a senior pastor. Maybe a possible solution for churches that are worried about retaining their youth could be, as well as looking at other pastors from outside the church, maybe they could consider their youth pastor as a potential pastor for the church down the track as well. Yeah, look from within, because I mean, could be. Again, we're talking about learning a lot of lessons from youth ministry. Mm. That's, I mean, if if people are if the, someone is being a youth minister and they and they're called to you know like step up and maybe plan a plan a gathering or something mm. like that. They've learnt all the experimentation and blowing up rockets through yeah, youth yeah. ministry, where there's a lot more uh, scope to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Then, then that helps with what we're doing. It's exactly what we've basically done as a church, even mm. though it wasn't intentional. Yep. It's we've done youth ministry and then planted yep. a church with, with a whole heap of checks and balances. So our yes. elders at Glamour Anglican Church gave us our blessing to do what we're doing. We've got elders here at Sorrel Revival Church that have been part of the launch team. People mm. in their seventies. We've also got people. Uh, in the diocese who are senior clergy who have supported us and encouraged us. We've had bishops who've been part of the conversation about how we even do liturgy and do set up different governance structures. We've been a part of a thing called the ENC, which is uh, Evangelism in New Churches. So we've tried to surround ourselves with accountability. And I think, I think what I originally thought with the strategic approach is where's the accountability? The youth pastor goes off with a bunch of kids and yeah. starts a church. Yeah. But I think if there's good accountability and, and you're actually given authority from the denomination or the church planning network, you've actually got people who are mentoring you, overseeing you. Uh, when we planted Soul Revival Church, I was actually the assistant minister of Soul Revival Church before I'd finished my four years at Bible College and then was accredited to become a presbyter. So before that, Bruce Hall was actually the presbyter of Soul Revival he Church. He was the head of ENC. He was, because he was the head of ENC. So even though I was planting the church and I led Soul Revival, actually this, the presbyter, the senior minister of Soul Revival, was actually Bruce Hall. Now, when I took it, I think that could be a really cool model for this strategic approach, that in the first you know, four or five years of a church plant, the senior minister is actually the youth minister who's running the church, but as an assistant minister under a presbyter who's overseeing that person's work. I think that could be very exciting to unpack and explore. Now, I don't know if that's where we'll go, but today's just a blue sky thinking podcast mm-hmm. about about um, some latest thoughts and, you know, it's fun to think together. So if anybody's got any questions or thoughts, it'd be really cool to, you know, we were thinking of trying to restart our Discord recently so even this week might be a good chance to restart the discord and have a few um i don't know what do you do with that anyway do you just jump on at a certain time with the discord or can people oh you can just chuck a link in and then it's you can just chat in it yeah there's other times we can all jump on together but yeah 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 yeah, we could start off well it might even be worth thinking about starting that chat up again with the discord so if anyone's interested what's the address of the discord Uh, i'll put the link in the notes i don't know what it is it changes so you have to make sure it's the right one yeah yeah yeah, cool i don't know do you think that's a good idea yeah sure let's do it let's go go for it we can experiment well i'd be really keen to hear what people think and especially (laughs) that other side of it like if you'd like to be on the podcast and come talk about your approach we'd love to have you so absolutely well thank you sure it's been very fun to discuss this and throw out new new ideas like we were talking about last week and uh, I hadn't even heard of it before this so that's been really fun um, if you do have any questions thoughts you want to be on the podcast like we said email me at joel at chocolazorba.com.au and we can uh, obviously continue the conversation we'll keep looking at the four views of youth ministry in the next couple of weeks um, I think Tim's input on that will be very 
helpful as well because he's he knows a lot about that book as well just like you so um, yeah it's been really fun and uh, as always we'll finish with a one way mm, one way one way